Hello, everyone. I'm Pastor Rick Hawkins of Quest Church in Norman, Oklahoma. I want to thank you all for joining us today. This podcast is going to be informative, insightful, and inspirational for your life. Listen every week because we'll have a special word just for you. As you remain standing, 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse number 12 says these words, when your days are over and you rest with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, who will come from your own body, and I will establish his kingdom. When your days are over and you rest with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you. I'm going to preach a message this morning prophetically entitled, When Next is Now. Say those words to a few people around you. When next is now. If I was going to subtitle this message, I would call it The Transfer. Say those words, The Transfer. Lift your hands, please. Father, we thank you. The Bible says, lift up holy hands without wrath or doubting. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, you shall see God. So, Father, with clean hands and a pure heart, we lift today. We not only lift, we look. We look to you. We look to you for supply. We look to you for strategy. We are a desperate people in a desperate hour. And all we know to do is call on you. And we've decided when we don't know what to do, to do what we know. And what we know is when we call you, you deliver. When we call on you, you heal, you restore, you revive, you renew. So I ask you to do what only you can do today. Heal someone. Restore someone. Fix somebody today. Do the work of your ministry. We bind every spirit that is opposed to the will of God. We break every generational curse. In the name of Jesus, we break every generational curse. In the name of Jesus. Now, God, would you exhale on us today? Would you just breathe in this building today? We thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Now, one more time, let's participate. Let's give God the greatest praise we've given him all week long just before we sit down. That's good. That's good. The Bible says, clap your hands, all ye people, and shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. You may be seated. Tell your neighbor it's on in the building. So I'm thinking this morning, and I'm going to get off of my notes for the media team. They're already going to be like, okay, what's he doing? But I'm going to just flow with what I feel right now. When a principle becomes a pattern, production is the result. God is a God of principles. He's a God of patterns, but he's also a God of policies. He's a God of promise. There is a principle that is laced 
through Scripture, from Genesis to Revelation. This is the principle. When someone in the kingdom leaves, something for the kingdom is left. When someone in the kingdom leaves, something for the kingdom is left. We see this when Jesus says in John chapter 16, the Holy Spirit cannot come unless I leave. I must depart so something can be left. And that's a valuable lesson because when something is left, someone must look. We are in a time where I am very concerned about the idea of succession. What is being left? Who is following? I thought about the word next. The word next does not just mean after, but it also means adjacent. It's not just Next is not what's after you, but many times it's who's next to you. Be careful who you allow in your yoke. A donkey and an ox both plow. But the Bible says in the book of Deuteronomy, do not yoke a donkey to an ox because they are unequally yoked. They both plow, but they both do not plow at the same pace. So whoever you hook up with, you better be sure that their pace and their cadence has the same rhythm as yours does. There are those that are assigned to be next to you. There are those that are assigned that you are supposed to be next to. There are those that are assigned that you are to be after. And then there are those who are assigned that are to be after you. Did y'all follow all of that? So there are people that are supposed to be next to you. There are people you're supposed to be next to. There are people you're supposed to be after. And there are people that are supposed to be after you. This is called spiritual succession. Eve was next to Adam. Are y'all staying with me? I'm, I'm coming at you with a boatload today. Eve was next to Adam. Jonathan is next to to David. Aaron and her were next to Moses. Jesus sent out the disciples two by two so that they would always have someone next to them. Nehemiah chapter 3, 16 times the Bible uses these words, and next to them were. And after 16 times of using the word next, it uses the word after 16 times. And after them were. 
Hmm. Isaac was after Abraham. Jacob was after Isaac. Are you getting the picture? Joseph was after Jacob. Joshua was after Moses. Solomon was after David. I'll bring it to the New Testament. John the Baptist said, there is one coming after me whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. The kingdom of God operates in sequence, in series, and in succession. I'm going to say it again. The kingdom of God operates in sequence, in series, and in succession. Our text says, when your days are over, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you. Daniel chapter 4 verse 3 says, how great are his signs, how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. And his dominion, listen carefully, is from generation to generation. His what? Dominion is from generation to gen generation. Psalm 78 says, one generation shall declare his praise to the next generation. I find it interesting that there's always this breakdown of generational succession because of a lack of relationship and proper communication. I think the church has lost dominion in the earth because we've been irresponsible with the principle of succession. We have not taught properly those who are following us what it is to seek God with all of your heart. You put God first, not as an alternative. He's a priority. He's not a suggestion. God is good. If Psalm 133 is the truth, then it teaches us that the blessing of God comes down. If the blessing of God starts on the head, goes to the beard, and ends up on the robe, it is coming down. If that's true, then position is always important. Where you are is always important. And you're never in a place that you're supposed to be out from under someone or something else. That's strong. Especially in this generation. So let me sum all that up with this statement. God acts as the sequencer, creating a series of events that culminates and intensifies through the divine order of succession. God has never called anyone to stand next to a leader in order to compete with him. However, he does call people to stand next to and follow after a leader 
in order to complete. Not compete, but complete. So I started thinking about the Bible. The Holy Ghost is going to break out in here today. Some of you are going to be shaken in your soul today. It's a beautiful thing. Because the Holy Spirit is so powerful that when he shakes you, he comforts you at the same time. Mm. I feel this strong. Throughout Scripture, there are certain distinct and purposeful transfers. Let me explain it to you. Birthrights are transferred in Scripture. Kingdoms are transferred in Scripture. Mantles are transferred in Scripture. Anointings are transferred in Scripture. It's all a part of divine succession. I thought about it this morning. I can't transfer something I do not have. You can't withdraw from a place that doesn't have what you're trying to withdraw. Ooh, Lord Jesus. All spiritual transfers, including the law of impartation, happen through one word, relationship. Some of you are trying to pull on places and people you don't even know. You may get knowledge from people you don't know. But you will never receive power, the anointing from people you don't know. Getting quiet now. Succession, therefore, happens through transfers. My daughter is preaching in San Antonio today at a church my son pastors. I'll say it again. My daughter is preaching today in San Antonio in a church that my son pastors. That is called succession. Now, the only reason she has anything to offer is because of who she sat under. Now, you say, Pastor Rick, that's mighty proud of you. No, that's mighty confident of me. I know what I've imparted to my daughter. I have absolutely no concern that she will be powerful anointed, and she'll make a difference in people's lives today because I know who she was under. I know where she withdrew from. Who's your daddy? Paul told the church at Corinth, you have 10,000 teachers, but you don't have many spiritual fathers. I'll ask you again, who's your daddy? Transfer to carry over or to convey. Boy, y'all's minds are wondering right now, who's my spiritual daddy? Who's my spiritual daddy? Tell your neighbor, you better find one. It's very akin, the word transfer is very akin to the word infer. To in or to carry, carry in. What are you carrying? The question is, what are you carrying? 
In the 15th century, that phrase was developed from these two words, transfer and infer, infer, and the phrase was this, I catch and then I bring forth. Or we can say, I can only bring forth what I catch. I cannot produce anything that I've not caught. Brings me to 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 19. Elijah departed and found Elisha who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him. He was with the 12th and Elijah passed by him and threw his mantle on him. Hmm. To convey, to transfer. To transfer is to deliver property to one that is coming after you. You have to be close enough to catch it. Come on in the building. You're rarely going to catch stuff in the spirit that you're not close enough to receive. Some of you have been keeping your distance for too long. Your distance has become your detriment. And here's the words you insulate yourself with. I'm not going to be hurt by church again. So you put space between yourself and the altar. You put distance between yourself and a pastor. You put distance between yourself and the house of God. You can only catch from what you're close to. That's why Elijah found Elisha, passed by him, and threw his mantle on him. Elisha was close enough to catch it. Ask your neighbor, can you catch what's coming? What, yeah, good stuff. The greatest success happens through succession. The most satisfied a man will ever be is when he learns that those that are following after him will do more than he did. Jesus said, the works that I do shall you do also. And what? Greater works than these shall you do. That's strong vocabulary. The principle is established that succession must culminate in increase. That's why when Elisha received the mantle, he received double. Denoting the idea that anything that comes down from something you are under should be doubled at minimum in its effectiveness. Have I lost you? Some of you are scratching your head and asking yourself, who have I been receiving from? If you spend as much time listening to the word of God as you do Fox News. If you spend as much time listening to spiritual impartation as you did to CNN, you'd be much more spiritually educated. Jesus said what a man understands cannot be taken from him. He didn't say what a man knows. He said, what a man understands cannot be taken from him. 
There's no greater example of this principle than 2 Kings chapter 2. 2 Kings chapter 2 is the story that I just introduced to you in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 19, the story of two great men, Elijah and Elisha. And the Bible says in verse 1, it came to pass. I want you to listen to it carefully. You've heard it a hundred times. Please listen carefully. Hear the word of the Lord. It came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind. Studied in the Hebrew. It means turbulence, tumultuous. It wasn't pretty. He's taken up in a storm. That Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elijah, wait here, because the Lord has sent me to Bethel. Elijah said, as you live and my soul lives, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Who went down to Bethel? They went down to Bethel. And you know it keeps going. Then they go to Jericho. And you know what the Bible says? And they went to Jericho. Same thing happened. Then they go down to Jordan. They stood at Jordan, according to verse 7. And Elijah takes his mantle at Jordan, wraps it together, smites the water, and is divided. And they too went over on dry ground. Woo! If you're close enough, if you're connected enough, if you're committed enough, you will see what no one else has ever seen because you are close enough to enjoy the miracle. It came to pass when they went over, Elijah said to Elisha, ask whatever you want. And Elijah said, I pray thee, give me a what? Double portion of the spirit that's on you. And he said, you've asked a difficult thing. In other words, I know what I've been through to get what I got. You want what I have, but I'm not sure you want to go through what I went through to get it. Hmm. It came to pass, verse 11, as they still went on and talked, that appeared chariot of fire, horses of fire, and it, uh, it parted them asunder. Elijah went up into turbulence, tumultuous weather, and Elisha saw it and he cried, Whew, here it goes, My father! My father, he did not say, my mentor, my mentor. He did not say, my teacher, my teacher. He did not say, my pastor. He didn't even say, my leader. He said, my father, my father denoting the idea that he put himself in a position of sonship. I'm not just here to serve. I'm here to be a son. See, there's a difference in sonship and servants. Servants work out of instruction. Sons work off of initiative. You have to tell people who serve what we need done. Sons see what needs to be done and they just do it. 
And they don't need to be, uh, they don't need any accolades for their service because they're just part of the family. And that's what family does. See, I've been here four years and some of you have still not made the transition of Pastor Rick is not just my pastor. He's my spiritual father. Man, that takes a lot of boldness, Pastor Rick, for you to say that. No, Paul told the church at Corinth, follow me as I follow Christ. There's something powerful about having spiritual headship and spiritual leadership in your life. The question is, where are you drawing from? Well, I've got Jesus. Well, Jesus left principles. They stood by the bank of Jordan. Whew. Elijah takes the mantle. He strikes it. They go over. Watch what happens. Elisha goes back to the Jordan. He grabs the mantle and he tries it for himself. And it worked. You know what the Bible says? At that point, the spirit that the prophet said, the spirit of Elijah is on Elisha. See, there's a passage of right to mantles. Are you ready for it? And I'm done. Number one, can you handle Gilgal? He said, wait here, I'm going to Gilgal. In other words, I'm not sure you can handle Gilgal. What does that mean? Gilgal means reproach. It's where the reproach is rolled away. Gilgal means the place where you are discounted and discredited. Can you handle a season when you see both of us, because of how we're operating, going through a time where people begin to discredit you and discount you? Discounting something is lessening the value of what it really is. You're putting it on sale. There's a difference in monetary value and relative value. Monetary value is what you think it's worth. Relative value is what I think it's worth because I own it. If I put my house for sale, you can give me an offer based on what you think it values at. I don't even care what the appraisal says. If the appraisal says $400,000, but to me it's worth $600,000, you can offer me $400,000 all day long. It, it's not relative to me. What's relative to me is what I think it's worth. And people in your life, you got to hear me, that give value to your life must also be valued. Never allow somebody to put a discount price on who you are. And there's nothing that will make people want to discount you more than what they discover about your past. But the question is, who are they to pull something out from under the blood? Something that God forgot they're trying to remember. And they're trying to discount you, your purpose, your person, and your call based on something that God already forgot about. It's time for you to lift your head, straighten up your shoulders, and say, I know who I am in God. You can discredit, you can discount, but you cannot remove me from my destiny. Somebody shout, I know who I am. 
So you've got to be able, the question is, can you handle Gilgal? Then the next question is, can you handle Bethel? Bethel means the house of God. The question is, will you stay committed to the house of God no matter what the house has to go through? It's still the house of God. I can't tell you how many people left church during the pandemic and still have not come back. You're watching me right now. You've been watching for two years. Come on back to the house. Everything's going to be fine. I can't believe you're telling people to come to church, Pastor Rick, and you're not even mentioning a mask. You got masks on anyway. People wear a mask every day. Get to the house of God. Be committed to the house of God. Don't make me preach on the house of God. The first time the house of God is ever talked about is in Genesis chapter 28 where Jacob lays down in Bethel and he sees angels ascending and descending on a ladder. This is the house of God. God was here and I knew it not. How many people go to church and don't even feel God? They're not even looking for God. God was here and I knew it not. You in the house, but you can't feel his presence. It's not because he's not here. It's because you're not here. You're in the building, but you're not engaged. Somebody shout, can you handle Bethel? The passage or the right to the double portion, the mantle, the transfer. It's number one, can you handle Gilgal? Number two, can you be committed to Bethel? Number three, can you deal with Jericho? Jericho is that place where the walls are so tall that they look like they're insurmountable. Like these walls are never coming down. But you, because of the determination and the resolve of your faith, say, I'm going to walk and I'm going to shout until the walls come down. There are walls that have separated me from my blessing. There are walls that have separated me from my promise. There are walls that have separated me from pivotal relationships. There are walls that have separated. Whatever the wall is, you've got to believe God that the walls of Jericho will come down. All I have to do is be patient. All I have to do is keep my prayer life. All I have to do is be persistent in God. So the question is, can you handle Gilgal? Will you be committed to Bethel? Can you deal with Jericho? But here's the big question. What will you do with Jordan? See, Jordan is the final place. But you have to go through the other ones just to get to Jordan. Oh, Jordan is so beautiful in Scripture. I do believe that Jesus was baptized in the Jordan. And I do believe the heavens open up and the Father said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Man, that's the final place, Jordan. But if you look at it close enough, it means you have to descend. It's that place where you say, I must decrease so that he can increase. Come on in this building. Jordan is that place where it opens up and all of Israel passes over into the promised land. Talk back to me. It's the place of receiving affirmation and identity. The place of transition. Jordan is the place, listen carefully, when something is transferred. 
Can you handle Jordan? It's the place of stepping into finally what was always yours. God is good. Jordan is the place of exiting. It's a place of ending. It's a place of entering a new beginning. It's the place where you have to let something go so that you can grab what's in front of you. Can you handle it when who you were following is taken up and now it's your turn? Just got quiet. Jordan is a place where the question is asked, can you handle it? When who you were following is taken up and now it's your turn. When next is now. We always preach about what's coming. What's going to happen? What's next? Well, what do you do when you wake up and next is over? And you're stuck in the N-O-W. You're stuck in the now. I believe that's where the church is in this hour. It's time to stop preaching next. That's a strong statement, Pastor Rick. I'm going to say it again. We pass next. Next doesn't happen. We in now. Now what you going to do? Now one third of the church has left. Now one third of the church has gone to other churches. Now one third of the church is still with you. Now what? We have never been in the now more than now. So Elijah says, if, I got it. Thank you, Chief, so much. I got it. I appreciate that move. You was moving to get the coat. You were about to grab it, wasn't you? The question is, I watched it work for my father. I ask him for it. Don't ask for something you are not responsible enough to receive. Some of you think you have the capacity, but you're not responsible enough. Because you're big enough don't make you responsible enough. Mantles matter. I'll say it again. Mantles matter, but mantles are given for the moment you live in, not for the moment that's coming. I remember when I said yes to come to Norman. It shook my son to his bones because he had all, even though he could preach all he wanted to at Place for Life, he knew daddy was going to be there. But guess what? Your now is on you. Now you don't get to just casually study for a sermon. 
See, the power of being an evangelist is you can preach the same thing for a year. The problem with being a pastor is you've got to have something new every Sunday. And all of a sudden, it dawned on him, oh, man, i got to be ready not just one Sunday every two months, but every Sunday I've got to come with something prolific, something powerful, something revelatory. When next becomes now. You know why some of you are not in your now? Because you don't want to be. You choose not to be. Can I go ahead and prophesy to you? Many of you have things that have stood in front of you for years that you refuse to grab because you know if I grab it, I'm responsible for it. So I would rather ignore it. Here's the problem with ignoring stuff that God sends you. You look ignorant. Ignore is the root word for ignorant. So you, re you choose to be ignorant, not stupid. I didn't say stupid. You just ignore it because you know the responsibility it's going to take once you grab it. So Elisha took it and he said, I'm going to try it for myself. And he struck that Jordan and it opened up and he went over. He did two times the miracles that his spiritual father did. You can count them. He had a double portion of what Elijah carried. The question is, are you close enough to catch it? Are you close enough to catch it? Do you want it? How bad do you want it? So you say, Pastor Rick, can you bring more clarity to the conversation? Certainly I will. Absolutely I will. There comes a time in church life that you have to choose to make a shift from being a spectator to being a participant. There comes a time in life that you have to say, I've sat here long enough. I've observed long enough. I've been a spectator long enough. I've been a fan long enough. I'm ready to be family now. I'm ready to be on the field and not in the stands. Are y'all with me? When that happens, suddenly revivals start hitting churches. When you come not to see what you can receive, but to see what you can bring. Suddenly a church gains momentum. They begin a movement. They take entire cities. They shake entire states. Before long, a whole nation is rattled because a little remnant of people in Norman, Oklahoma said, I'm going to get everything that belongs to me. And now you don't need the pastor to come over and lay hands on your kids. You don't need the pastor in every hospital room because you got the anointing because you have the power. And you walk in and you lay hands on the sick and they are recovered. You sit down and give godly counsel to couples in living rooms. Do you not know that's why Ephesians 4 was written? That God gave gifts unto men. What are the gifts? The gifts are the apostles, the pastors, the prophets, the teachers, and the evangelists. Gave gifts unto men. Why? To equip them. To furnish them to do the work of the ministry. A mature church is a church where everybody is laying hands on people. 
A mature church is where everyone is getting somebody baptized in the Holy Ghost. Come on, y'all. How many of you are ready to go to the next level of your life? I dare you to throw both hands up and say, Lord, I'm ready for a double portion. I'm ready for two times as much. I'm ready, God. We've gone through Gilgal. I've made my commitment at Bethel. I've seen the walls come down. And now we stand in Jordan. Throw your hands up and say, Lord, give me a double portion. Give it to me, God. Give it to my family. God is good, isn't he? Let me pray for you just for a moment. Lift your hands one more time. Lord, I pray that not just the revelation hid in this house today, but spiritual impartation happens now. That there would be a transfer now from heaven to earth. Fill your people with power. Fill them with the Holy Ghost. I thank you for it. I bless you. I adore you. Come on, get those bends out of your elbows. Let's lift our hands real high. Ask God to pour it on you. Just tell him, Lord, pour it out on me. Pour it out on me and my family, my wife and I, my children, all of us, a house of power. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, with your hands raised. When Elijah threw that mantle on Elisha, the Bible says, Gino, that he was plowing. My Bible tells me in the book of Hosea, Judah plows. You know what Judah is? Praise. You don't have any oxen in front of you today that you're plowing with, but you got a praise in your mouth you can plow with. So I'm going to ask you for 10 seconds to start plowing. Would you begin to praise God like you've never praised him all week long? Lord, I love you. Lord, you're the greatest thing that's ever happened in my life. I praise you for everything you've ever done for me. I praise you for everything you're doing for me. I praise you for everything you're going to do in my family. I praise you. Come on, Judah. Plow, plow, plow. God, we praise you. We exalt you. We magnify you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now, woo! prophetically, I don't think it's an accident that the last two Sundays that the word was preached here, I'm not talking about last Sunday, the two Sundays before that, there was a number that was important. The number was 12. I preached on the woman with the issue of blood. Josh preached on Jairus' daughter. The common denominator is the girl was 12 years old and the woman had an issue for 12 years. Elisha is plowing with the 12th. He was plowing with governing authority. That's what the number 12 means. I want you to begin to praise now with some authority in your mouth like you know that God's got everything under control. Come on. Begin to govern the direction of your destiny with your praise. Pray, 
in Jesus name if you think something is shifting in your life clap your hands and shout come on give it to God give it to God